Are you a sexy, indulgent musician suffering from consistent long hours, crippling self-doubt, and constant disappointment? Well, do we have a show for you. Welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Disappointment, a bi-weekly deep dive into what it takes to be a healthy and successful musician in the modern industry. My name is Melody Kaiser. And I'm Dustin Williams. And we are both full-time musicians and creative entrepreneurs. And today we are talking with the amazing David Williams. Woo! You know him from South Shadow Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, and from countless records where he has performed drums and percussions for acts like the Pussy Willows, BJ Wilbanks, Logan Dover, and Kurt Lee Wheeler. He's recorded at some of the biggest studios in the South, and he's a personal friend of ours. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Of course. So just let's get started from the beginning. What made you start playing drums? Drums was like third time that's the charm. Oh, really? <laughs> for, for me. <laughs> my dad was a guitar player, and he's like my everything pretty much when it, when it comes to musical influences. Uh, I grew up listening to like classical, like Bach, and like church music in one year and the Beatles and like just great music, you yeah. know, Stevie Wonder, jazz in another year. Um, and he played guitar. He was classically trained. So like I grew up thinking that was the norm <laughs> being like, oh, yeah, it's normal for a guy to be just playing guitar one second and then um, conducting an orchestra the other. Um, and then I got older and I was like, oh, that's not the norm. Uh, mm. I tried guitar. I started like at age eight or something. And then that didn't really stick. Um, I did bass for like a year or two. Um, and then at age 12, I just picked up the drums and then I just didn't look back. That was the thing where I was like, okay, even when this is difficult and it's not fun, it's still fun for me. Even when, you know, the technical stuff got in the way, I just kept going, going through it. And I just, I just haven't stopped. So did you start with like rudiments and stuff like that? Or did you start just learning songs that you liked? That it, it's funny that, and then I have to give my dad credit too. Uh, we were just at, uh, in the sanctuary at a church, like on a weekday, he was just prepping stuff. And I just sat down on the drum kit and he was like, Hey, if you play eighth notes here in the hi-hat, uh, half notes on one and three on the kick, half notes on two and four on the snare drum, you can play a pretty basic beat, beat. And I picked that up pretty quickly. And I was like, because I had been playing bass and other instruments, I've been listening to enough music, even at age 12, I was like, oh, that's every rock song ever. <laughs> right. And then, yeah, I listened to Beatles records, uh, John Mayer trio record, West Montgomery. That was, was mostly the Beatles for like two years. I was just self-taught. People would show me stuff. And then in high school, I did marching band poorly, um, but it was it was a great learning experience. I was like, oh, here's, you know, I learned how to read basic stuff from that. I went to AIM, Atlanta Institute of Music um, and Media, uh, and that was a really, Don't really that part. great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a really, really good experience because I learned how to uh, do get prepped for like almost any musical situation. Um, uh, I will also say, and I, I don't want it to sound bad on them, but like I learned how to professionally and adequately uh, kind of bullshit or get by 
And I don't mean that saying I bullshit gigs. I don't. I take my <laughs> gigs very seriously. But they taught me, it's like, okay, if you get called for, you know, a gig that is not in your wheelhouse, here's how to prep for it, even if you only have like four days. You know, yeah, they totally. they, they yeah. taught me how to just do the, oh, I got to learn 20 songs in a day. Okay, I can do that and get by and do a professional job and get called back the next time, even if it's not my strong suit. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. So when, as, as a, a drummer, cause you're, you're like one of the, the best drummers I've ever played with. And, and I love playing with you because, um, I, I feel like you've got this perfect blend of, um, like technical chops, um, meets like just a feel thing, you know, because and I think maybe some of that came from like the feel thing, I think comes from just how you grew up as a musician and just kind of like you know, picking stuff up and learning songs, playing the Beatles stuff. I mean, so much of that is feel, you know. Um, but uh, then, yeah, there's the side of you that, and and I'll be curious to know more, you know, where this comes from. Like, I'm sure some of it's from AIM um, as far as like, you know, learning some of the more like technical aspects of drumming. Um, but as a drummer, when you're put in a situation that's um, like, like that, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I've got called. I got to learn 20 songs. I'm right. playing in two days. Yeah. Um, what is your like process for learning material? Like where, where do you mm -hmm. start? Is it feel first? Is it technical stuff first? Like where does that come in? I normally, I just want to make sure I go over the song list and I want to just know all the music. Mm. So if there's like, yeah, like 20, 25 songs, maybe I'll get lucky and be like, Oh, five of these songs. I actually already know. Mm -hmm. They're just, you know, in my brain, in my DNA, yeah. even if I haven't played them before, sure. you know, like if, if someone, says like a, a famous song like rolling in the deep i've never played rolling in the deep like at a cover gig sure but i've heard that song a million times i don't have to learn it yeah i know it so like i pick through and, and then go through what are the songs that i don't need to focus on mm -hmm. and then i'll go through the songs i'm like okay i don't know these and i chart them out now when i say chart them out this is a valuable <laughs> invaluable skill i learned from aim mm -hmm. i don't mean i get a sheet of staff paper right. and a pencil uh-huh I just get a blank sheet of paper yep. um, and I'm just writing out bars for and transitions. Verse, intro, bars. Yeah, right, okay, intro okay. four bars, mm -hmm. verse, chorus, pre-chorus, whatever. So I'll listen to the song first. And while I'm doing that, I do try to get into the feel mm -hmm. of it, you sure. know, in, in the back of my mind. But I'm usually just writing out, okay, how long is each section? If there's, you know, and, and usually... For cover gigs that aren't you know jazz yeah uh, i'm not gonna say classical because i don't do classical <laughs> gigs uh, dude that'd um, be cool if you did but that would be like whoa but, he does classical gigs yeah, too it's like uh so anyway the, most stuff i don't have to write out um the drum pattern like the groove right. yeah i yeah. can usually just pick it up and hear it mm -hmm. but if i do I will write it out shorthand. Yeah. You know, just like, okay. okay, what's the groove? If it is a little bit more complicated, mm -hmm. just so I have a visual reminder. Right. I don't have a lot of time to practice it. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. But really, it's just, and and that process, the more you do it, and I tell my students this um, a lot, because you know, I teach at School of Rock, as you guys do, uh, is you just got to keep doing it. For if you If you chart five songs a day, every day or even just once a week 
in a month, you'll be like, oh, this is a breeze. Mm -hmm. Then it then it just becomes a matter of I wish I could write faster. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> yeah, uh, because, you know, Western music, whether it's rock or jazz or any other genre, 90% of the time, it's all divisible by four or two. You know? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's mm -hmm. all there. There's that one Proud Mary song that has the... Uh, Three bars transition. It's the Tina Turner version oh, of the Proud Tina Turner. Mary. Yeah, totally. yeah. But you'll notice it's like, oh, this is all fours. Okay, great. And it just the more you do it, the quicker it becomes. So now, as opposed to like four years ago, and I'm sure you guys can both relate to this. If I get a call and they're like, hey, I need 30 songs for this gig in a couple of days, I'm like, that's fine. I'll usually knock that out in an evening, you know, yeah. uh, because it's just a matter of counting and keeping totally. track of stuff. And then, and then, yeah, I mean, with feel, I'm really lucky that I was raised in a musical environment. I just hung out with my dad. I saw how he did stuff and mm -hmm. he was very more, very much more classically uh, trained and didn't do things as loosely as I do. Mm -hmm. He was very methodical. Like I, I, he was, you can attest to this or you probably both can. There are not a lot of guitar players who can read sheet music, you know, like it's usually tap or something else. Mm -hmm. Like my dad could read guitar transcriptions, like no problem because mm -hmm. he could read all of that stuff. Yeah. And he could read tab. He could do the other stuff too, because his ear was good. Mm -hmm. His ear was so great. I'm glad I inherited that. Um, but because he had a very, very different, um, much more intense academic, uh, training than I did, mm -hmm. uh, it, he, he just approached stuff differently. And again, he was doing things differently. He, he did much more in a group and like classical and orchestral setting. Uh, whereas for me, it's like, all I got to worry about is my part, <laughs> which right. again is easier. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, but being raised in, the household with him we're always listening to music and he would point out historical things like funny things like that mm -hmm. and also would give me tidbits of of stuff uh, of musical academic information that i still find invaluable uh to this day so that the fact that i was able to just kind of do my own thing and then find kind of find an instrument i feel like drums found me cause like, mm. i wanted to play guitar yeah i still like fooling around on guitar and bass today but drums i feel like are my voice um but so you know you can't have melody without rhythm <laughs> yeah. and right. and so it all just feed, feeds in and 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 i find myself like uh some some of my drumming heroes i i i kind of work the same way in that a lot of times uh i'm listening to the vocal line i'm mm. and and the bass i'm listening mm -hmm. to the bass player and the vocalist, um, and then guitar, like whatever else, because I'm like, I want to be right in their pocket and like, and also I don't want to step on them mm -hmm. with like a cymbal hit or whatever. And I think it's also because I, I just enjoy that. I think if I didn't play drums, I would play guitar or bass or something or do something, uh, you know, more akin to songwriting. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, I'm not a proggy drummer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sure, I yeah, appreciate yeah. it. It's great. Like mm -hmm. I, I like to get better on that stuff. Like the the jazz greats who could solo, incredible. Like I'm into that, but it's not my strength. Like I'm, I love those other genres, but nine times out of ten, 
if someone's like, hey, do you want to like develop a song together? I'm like, yep, I'm into that. Yeah. So, so two two things. One, um, that's one of the things that I think I, I really appreciate about you as a musician and a person. And and I think one of the reasons why like uh, I love playing with both both you and Dylan so much because yeah. you you actually you guys are pretty similar in that way. Yeah. And like because he's also told me before like how he learns and thinks about stuff is is more based on the vocal melody and the mm-hmm. song production. Like you guys are songwriters, drummers, and I think that yeah. what makes you that's one of the things that makes you guys so valuable. And and what I love about your playing so much is, is again, like your ability to think beyond what's, what's that funky thing the bass player is doing or what's a cool drum right. fill I can do. It's all about like, how can I support the idea more? And I love that. I love that so much. And that said, who are some of your drum heroes? Like who are the people that kind of influenced that mm-hmm. aspect of your playing? Ringo Starr, obviously, mm-hmm. he's just the king of feel. And then Paul McCartney's other great drummer, uh, Abe Laboreal Jr. Oh. Um, and his dad, Abe Laboreal Sr., is one player? of the oh greatest God. bass players in the world. He's insane. Yeah. And um, Abe is also a fantastic singer. You know, oh, he's been doing okay. the high Paul McCartney and high John Lennon harmony parts for Paul's solo tours for like 30 years. I now. didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. Cool. Abe. Abe can sing as well as he can drum. You're um, you're a damn good singer uh, too, man. You've got a great pitch. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Um, to work on it. Hey, me too. Um, but uh, uh, him, Abe, uh, Ash Sone, he's a guy based out of the UK. Ash Sone, um, Ash Sone um, he's played on Adele's biggest hits. Mm. Um, uh, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on her name. Um, but it, he's he's. It, Session it's guy? A top, yeah, session guy. Okay. If there's a top 40 hit in the last 15 years, he's played on it. It's um, like him, Vinny, or Josh um, Freest. Yeah, yeah. Him, uh, Dave Elich, um, in the past couple of years especially, has become a big, big guy for me, not only with the musical aspect, but also health, which I'll get into a little yeah, bit longer. Yeah, we'll talk he's kind of like the health guru for mm-hmm. drummers. Um, but yeah, uh, Vinny Caliuta, he's just, Wow. He's Vinny. What more can you say? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I could keep going. And I love all the jazz guys too. And I would say that, I would say even my favorite jazz drummers like Art Blakey or Alvin Jones, even though like people or Tony Williams, they would think about what they did for the instrument. I'm like, well, they also did a lot for like what we would consider a jazz standard today to really like how you were saying, sh- shaping the whole thing. Mm. You know, even if I'm working with a singer or not we're thinking about the whole thing here yeah not just your own individual part yeah um and i would say great jazz drummers did that too even though it's you know we we put those different things in in a box Mm -hmm. but um uh jim keltner i could also say um i'm also going to say this um he's not a a drummer but i got to work with him at a fame studios in muscle shoals i got to work with um Oh my gosh. Uh I'm actually blanking on his name. It's not Seth McFarlane, obviously. That's the favorite <laughs> part. But it, oh, it is Will McFarlane. I got to work with Will McFarlane, who played guitar with Bonnie Ray for like a decade. Oh, cool. He was uh he was Bonnie Ray's guitar player for a long time. And then I think in the eighties he moved down to Alabama and he's been doing session work there. Mm. I learned the Nashville number system from him. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We were doing a session, and what we thought was um, going to be maybe like you know an eight-hour day turned mm-hmm. into like five, six, 
because five or six hours. Yeah, oh, so he, it was he just he just took over uh-huh. and just uh, used the Nashville number system, which helped me too, and mm-hmm. just the bass player and the other guitar player that was there. And we just he became kind of like the MD for that yeah. uh, for that session, and we just knocked everything out. His playing was beautiful. He played slide, electric, regular, you know, lead electric. Then he went in and did fingerstyle acoustic, like everything, every note he touched on the guitar. You could hear the years of his experience and stuff. Mm-hmm. And just watching him lead and that session, uh, and then teaching me the Nashville number system, like really, really, really inspired me and was like, okay, even though he plays a different instrument. That's the level I'm trying to be on mm-hmm. as a drummer, just being able to knock stuff out and play stuff for the producers. And and the songwriter who was there is like, this is perfect. I mean, everything he was doing, the songwriter was like, yeah, that's what I want. And I didn't even know it. Oh, man. Don't um, you love that? Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, I think because, too, my dad was a guitarist and I don't I didn't start with drums. Um, I just, I, you know, I love it all. I appreciate it all of those aspects because when you're you're when you're in the studio that's the goal it's not mm. about you it's about the song yeah totally yeah so what challenges have you faced um because you are basically a session musician right have you faced a lot of challenges working with songwriters do you have any advice for people going into the studio that you know just to kind of prepare um and what what would be the best way to present a song to you right. etc um, well, yeah, I mean, preparing, how, how do you even prepare? I, I would say a lot of times that, that will get thrown out, thrown out in a lecture or even in school, but it's like, okay, well, how do you actually do that? That can vary depending on what kind of situation you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I, I, I would say some of my, um, biggest, like, you know, learning moment, you know, falling, falling flat on your face, um, <laughs> was, uh, so, come come do come down to just doing a little bit extra just giving it another five or ten minutes before you go like the day before or or whenever before you walk into the building um so that uh you're just less nervous whether that's you know making a that your chart a little bit more thorough like making as many notes as you can just so you remember it or listening to the song an extra time than you want to um because i think i mean you 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 get a song and a lot of it it's like it's pretty rote you're like as a drummer if i hear something um i'm like okay there's really only one or two things i can really do here you know that's going to work rhythmically with this Mm -hmm. so unless the producer of the singers singer songwriter has some crazy idea that i'm just not aware of this is kind of what i'm prepping for and even that, like hone in on that, spend more time than you think you need to do. Um, uh, uh, just exercising any any extra idea that you can. And then um, also, and again, uh, this is just for me, like, again, ex- experience, bring more gear than you need to. That, yes. You know, and you, you're like I, that guy. I, I have a problem with that. <laughs> no, yes. it's a good problem. There's <laughs> a great problem to have. Um, I, I did, I walked into a session um, at a really big studio in Atlanta and um, I, uh, they told me they would have everything there and they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but the snare drum, uh 
on, on the bottom side of it where the snares mm-hmm. are had a coated head on it. It was like it was flipped. Hmm. And I think someone just made a mistake there. So it was unusable. Mm. Now I did bring a snare drum um with me just in case because I, you know, I'll always do, but I wished I had brought my two others just to have yeah. more sounds because this was not the snare drum for that sound. Yeah. And I was really ticked because I was like, uh it, you know, and it ended up working out fine. But um it, Again, that that was my first like, okay, always just bring more than you think you need. Um, And if you have a weakness on something, because we all do, we all have our our strengths and stuff. And I'm also speaking from the same thing. Work, just work on it more than more than you need to, because you can be nailing it at home. But then once you walk into the studio, you're going to have nerves. You're going to. Mm -hmm. And that can throw off your inner tempo your note whatever um uh i think in today's uh uh environment um people throw out so much stuff and if and when you get called to do a session even if it's not at you know a a, a big spot even if it's just your local uh studio that does stuff for the indie bands you know you want to be on it you don't want to be that guy that's taking three four five like really after the third take people don't "Mm." you're you're (laughs) like no if you haven't gotten it by take three something's something's up everyone's irritated yeah for sure yeah (laughs) and worried or something yeah yeah, it's just and that and that kills the vibe um so and again there's there's so many elements to this but um I, I would I've learned a lot that I've I've gone into a couple environments where I'm like, I've got it. But really I was only at like ninety-five percent. Mm. Now in grade school, mm. who gives a flip? <laughs> I don't care if I get a one hundred or a ninety-five or a ninety. Sure, yeah. But in this world, you gotta be one hundred ten. Yeah, you, totally. Really. Yeah. Like you you have to ha- you have to be one hundred and if you're 95. 95 is what separates the guys who are getting, getting the calls gigs yeah. and who aren't. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, that's that's my that's what I have learned. So, I I I I love uh, everything you said. Fully resonates for me too, because you know, doing doing a lot of session work like those are the kinds of things you run into as people not being prepared or the studio not having what you need. Um, and on on like, okay, so like on the gear side we were just talking about like bring more than you need so yeah in bass player world um there's kind of a a rule essentially a running rule um that like if you're doing studio work like every bass player doing that stuff should have either a precision bass or a jazz bass right one of the two so right. for drummers what what is that that's that's is great. there one for I, drums? I would say um have a a metal and alloy snare and have a wood snare. Mm. And if you're going to ask me what snare to get for metal, get a Ludwig Superphonic or a Ludwig Acolyte. Yeah. They're the most recorded snare drums in all of history. They've Mm. been on, it's like the Zildjian new beat hi-hats. Those are the, those hi-hats have been recorded on the most recordings. Okay. That's Um, cool. Yeah. uh, So um, yeah, have a wood snare and and a metal alloy snare. Um, Make sure they're always in tune. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just, they're ready to go. Um, bring a bunch of sticks. You always have, you know, always bring your stick bag with 
at least you know three four pairs of sticks um bring extra heads if you can um uh bring gel wallets tape all that stuff because usually a studio has it but if you already have it you're already all set you know yeah, you don't yeah. have to go ask the guy hey do you have gaff tape <laughs> yeah, my right, snare's right. doing something weird that it wasn't doing in my room, and, and that's another thing too. Different rooms react differently. Oh yeah. And again, I really learned this by trial and error. Mm-hmm. But um, having a dad who has guitars, cedar wood, uh, you know, all, all, all these, di- you know, maple, all these different wood types, different humidities affect it and can damage it too. Mm-hmm. So even though drums are what people may think of more an archaic instrument uh, than a guitar or a cello. So uncivilized. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's, your drum is not going to react necessarily in the same environment that you have in your, you know, your home set up as in a studio, outside, mm. wherever. So it's just knowing, knowing how to pivot quickly. Um, and and knowing how to get the best sound out of your gear and again it it takes practice you can watch all the youtube videos uh i would also highly recommend even better talking with um someone older than you talking to your college professor if you don't have one of those your musician friend who's older than you who's done those gigs and be like how do i how do i really do this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um they will give you a plethora um, of (laughs) life-saving information but even that, you got to go do it. And you got to make, you, you got to fall on your face a couple of times to right. realize what you're doing wrong and yeah. keep going. <laughs> um, one more question. And then I want to get to the big question that we want to talk about, right? But mm-hmm. um, would you say, because um, again, one of, one of the things I love about you and, and Dylan as drummers is that you guys have incredible dynamic uh, control. Um, like you know how to get really quiet and then really loud. So, um, and I, I think from what I've learned over the years doing gigs and doing studio sessions, that that is one of the most invaluable things that a drummer can have. Cause a lot of people either don't hit hard enough and, and obviously you don't need to smack the shit out of it, but that for some, whatever reason they're not hitting hard enough or more commonly they hit too hard. Right. Um, what, what did you do as a drummer to work on your dynamic control? Um, I'm, I'm going to have to attribute this to, again, my dad and the environments that I played because I mm. played at church a lot as a kid, you know, mm. from like age 12. Once he saw me pick up the drums, he's like, all right, come play in church. <laughs> You're the drummer now. <laughs> and we had a relatively small sanctuary. And not only was it small acoustically, mm. it was like you snap your fingers. It just reverberates. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, so I had to learn to play quietly from a really young age mm-hmm. and I hated it and it was hard and I felt like I was horrible at it. Uh-huh. And also you're, I'm 13 years old and I'm like, I want to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and, but it's an invaluable skill. And now when someone's like, Hey, can you come down a couple? I'm like, yeah, sure. It doesn't feel like a, it doesn't feel like this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, the, another, uh, church I played was actually even, more intense than that like it was at the point where i'm like i have to use hot rods or brushes Mm -hmm. here which you know are a quieter kind of stick dowel thing but even with that 90 percent of the time i can get away with still using sticks and i can come down pretty quiet you can also throw towels on the drums if you want sure um but it really it really was about you know two to three years of like twice a month playing in in a church sanctuary that was just like nah 
just rim, uh, rim click everything. We're not even going to hit the snare drum oh, wow. normally. It was just like quiet, quiet, quiet because it reverberated so much. Mm-hmm. And you can fix that with any other instrument because it can you can di right turn it down but yeah. we had a small acoustic kit maybe in hindsight they should have used electric but i wouldn't have liked that any better oh, fuck <laughs> that yeah <laughs> yeah but it's it's good you did yeah. because now you know how to do that right mm-hmm. now you know how to have that control exactly um and then this is a more technical answer to that question um use your entire body use the length of your arms for playing louder like i'm not a big dude mm-hmm. you know and i'm skinny but if I bring my hand up here, if my snare drum is like right here where the mm-hmm. table is, and if I drop it from here, it's going to be loud as hell. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I'm not going, I'm just doing this. Right. It's all, it's, it's like the whip, whip, right? Yeah. And also even it's that, but it's also gravity. Use the weight of your arm. Mm, okay. You're going to get a loud sound. Yeah. You don't have to <clears throat> like, yeah, I can't do that anymore. We're all approaching our 30s (laughs) oh i've been there you're there i am there and uh uh not only is that just you know gutting things out not sustainable for Mm. a career or literally musically (laughs) there's no sustain anymore (laughs) right like yeah you can hit a drum too hard yeah for any drummers who are new please this is a psa you can hit a drum too hard it's gonna sound like crap yeah it's gonna sound like a glass tabletop (laughs) And it totally. will feel bad, and yeah. then you're going to get all this gross energy up into your elbow, and mm. it's going to hurt. Tendonitis and all that yeah. shit. So, I will just, say, too, cymbals you know. as well, right? Because oh, I've been yeah. in so many settings where yeah. people are just, like, wailing on the cymbals, and yeah. it's going past the mic. So you uh-huh. get that, like, swishy Cymbal bleed into your vocal mic. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, it's the worst. that's really hard. Like, <laughs> you, I don't think you have to hit it that hard. It would yeah. be just as loud if you just hit it a little... It's again the same thing, like how high or low you uh, hold the stick. And again, yeah, if I want to create more force, why don't I just let gravity help me out, raise my arm instead of starting from here and muscle? uh, uh, Yeah. Because, hey, it's going to be louder than it needs to be. Like the difference between, oh, I can hear it. This is punchy. It's good loud, you know, Mm -hmm. and then bad loud. That's really, really small. It's yeah. like what five percent difference. Where of like this sure. sounds like this sounds horrible, mm-hmm. and this sounds good, but like decibel wise, it's really small. Yeah, and a lot of it I've found and experienced doesn't come down to, uh, uh, like how hard you're hitting, but more how how you how hit. you hit. Yeah, and if totally. you're relaxed and letting you know gravity or the weight of the stick. Um, do the job for you it's going to produce a nice loud sound Mm -hmm. that the mics will like that won't bleed into the vocal mics if you're playing live yeah and also you can play a five minute you know ball and rock song and not die yeah and you're like (laughs) i'm good let's do five more takes i'm great i mean i yeah one of the biggest compliments i've ever gotten uh was from bj um bj wilbanks who i play with a lot and he said you look like you're not doing anything up there. And I'm like, really? I mean, I want to look like I'm having fun at least. He's like, no, no, no. You, you know, and I'm like, well, good. I have to play like that because if I've got two, three hours set, I don't want to be walking off stage being like, I feel like the drums just kicked my butt. Yeah, I want totally. to walk off stage being like, 
that was fun. I'm a little tired, but like I could go another hour if I needed to. Right. Yeah. Because we all got to unload anyway. And that's yeah. the fun part. Yeah. That's what we actually get paid for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to get our crap in and out. Yeah. Oh, um, man. I love it. So, in just, I want to hit this home even more just because, not to sound like that guy, because I feel like <laughs> we have all alluded, alluded to this. I feel like on this podcast before, but also in general, um, I see people playing on social media and I'm like, yeah, you're putting EQs, you're putting stuff into your garage band or your logic session. Mm-hmm. But if you were to play like that anywhere else with, with musicians, with veteran musicians who know what they want, who know what they're doing, they're mm-hmm. going to be like, that doesn't sound good. Or, bro, you're going to hurt yourself. Right. You know, and and even some of these sounds that I'm hearing through, I'm like, your playing is great, but it sounds horrible because you don't know how to hit and play your instrument effectively, you know, right. like the gauge of a, a plectrum that right. you use or like the gauge of your strings and, and how to get like a good fat sound without overexerting. It's all these things, you know, that if you're, that is the danger of doing things on your own with no input. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, where the, I, th- I see those things start to happen um, to where like, I totally get like, being self-taught that's a great thing like exploring things on your own you should absolutely do that yeah but talk to people who are older than you your musician friends be like okay something's going wrong here or is there something i'm doing wrong and they will point you in the right direction so you don't end up going five years down the long of being like i've been doing this wrong now i have to relearn this to do it correctly yeah i want to still hang with this thing and that's the worst it sucks (laughs) i i've done that so many times i've had to like reapproach a technique or or um, you know, like when you're, when we were talking about like the volume control thing, like one of, <laughs> one of the biggest things I learned, um, over the last couple of years, uh, was actually from somebody slightly younger than me. Um, but who has a plethora of experience. And again, that is Dylan. Um, <laughs> and Cause he works in studios, right? Yeah. Like he grew yeah. up around a studio, um, with his dad, you know, doing production and, and also as a drummer, um, both he and his father. So like, um, one of the things that uh, I learned on tour with him with Truett was um, we would have these gigs where we'd be playing like breweries that were like big warehouses, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just mm-hmm. sounds Clangy. like shit, right? And um, I grew up mostly playing venues, maybe outdoor stuff. So like I wasn't used to playing a lot of big warehouse situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden it's like that's what we were playing for like three or four shows um, on a on a like a 15-show tour. So um, – Dylan, you know, talked to me about like, um, self-compression when you play. Mm, And it's something I'd already known about and kind of worked on. But once, once he brought it up, he's like, man, like, you know, like everything sounds good, but like, I think you should really like, you know, try to self-compress more and, and like, you know, play to the room more. And, uh, and I was like, damn, like, he's right. I I think like that, that's one of my issues. Cause I also like my early days playing shows were, alternative rock and punk venues yeah. and, and like yeah. so i was playing hard hitting shit loud. and you were supposed to play loud and you were supposed to hit your instrument hard and you were supposed to bleed you know and it's like that is cool when you're 17 18 you know 19 but when you're 31 <laughs> and now you have to start like being more you know conscious about longevity um you know that's that's where it becomes a lot more important to um to to be able to to control those dynamics, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, and like isolate the issues within your technique and, um, and address them. Um, 
Which brings me to the next thing here. Can I actually interrupt? Sure. Before you go, yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. I want to hit on something. I'd love your take on this too. You you said that you had heard of that process and been trying to work on self compression yourself. Mm-hmm. Was it through just like hearsay internet, just like your own kind of yeah. education on yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but then you had a human being uh-huh. in person yep. who has done that, who knows yep. how to do it, show you or tell you, give you some real life advice, advice on how yeah. to do it. And that's the thing. And you know, I don't care about sounding old or outdated anymore <laughs> because in this industry, you have to do that. I can watch 20 videos on how to tune my snare drum every which way. And there's yeah. some great snare drum tuning mm-hmm. videos on YouTube by producers, yeah. you know, who actually know what they're doing. But I have to actually do it and or have someone like with with any kind of musical problem you're having, like in your case, it was like a, a dynamics thing. Mm-hmm. Having a guy who actually knows what they're talking about show you or at least push you in the right direction, you have to have that. So if, yeah. so I think that's just, again, invaluable today, even though music seems to be being pushed towards something we only consume through our phones and through video stuff. I mean, music is not going to die. People are still going to want to sit down and just turn on an album mm-hmm. and just go, yeah. you know, and that's where these skills are so 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 important yeah and having to learn them in real human to human interactions like have you had anything like that in in your life where it's like i did all the videos on it but i still feel like i don't get it i mean yeah all the time i mean the most recent one for me wasn't even guitar related it was learning how to use pro tools Mm. and like i watched all these videos and i was like so confused i didn't know what anything meant and it took Steve Rawls mm-hmm. from Real to Real. He like sat yeah. down with me and was like, today we're going to work on how to learn Pro Tools. Yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, he sat down. I mean, we were there for like six hours. That's awesome. And he like step by step. And, it, it, and he even pointed out stuff that was just like obvious stuff. He's like, now let's learn about file management. Mm. <laughs> like, mm. okay. But dude, that's so huge. I know. Yeah. But like it ta- yeah. like he for me has definitely been like, the biggest supporter in that way mm-hmm. and like mentor mm-hmm. um yep. because he's an engineer and right. he's always just been like excited about helping and you know stuff like that mm-hmm. but also i would have not i probably would have given up sure. if he hadn't sat there right. and like made me do it yeah and, like made me learn it yeah, you know we're wired to learn by human to human interaction right. and i'm not saying you shouldn't learn as much as you can from the internet but i'm the same way i can walk through an instructional thing on the, on youtube or whatever and i can glean a lot from that but i am going to retain it if someone like shows me how, right. yeah how to do it um so there's so, something so about being better. like connect kinetically connected to yeah. another person yeah. and to the thing you're working on it's like mm-hmm. why people say like you can go to you know, music, you know, uh, or re- rather uh, record, uh, record engineering school. Sorry, I'm trying to find my words here. Um, you could go to school to be an engineer for mm-hmm. recording music. And in those four years, you'll learn uh, like 5% of what you would learn if you just intern at a studio and like yeah. work with a professional for four years. Right. You know, because it's about learning how to make records yeah. at a school. You're going to learn some of that. I mean, where I went to school at AIM, um, our uh, studio uh, prof um, has worked with Missy Elliott, 
Beyonce, like a mm-hmm. lot of great hip hop. Nice. And he gave us some cool like music song tidbits. But 90% of the stuff was about the technical aspect yep. of how how to do things correctly so that you don't run. And like, I get it. That's that's how. But like, yeah, when you intern at a studio for a year, you're going to learn all that. But also like how to get the vibe right. Yeah, Those dude. intangibles that you can't read in a book. Like you have to be like the fly on the wall or spend six hours with the with a mentor being like, this is how you do it. Yeah. yeah. And I've learned a lot on that note doing like I've produced only once. Mm-hmm. Right. But in that I learned so much yeah. because I had to get out of my own head of like <laughs> yeah. how I would do this, right. you know, mm-hmm. perfectly and having to communicate with musicians that I'd never worked with before that was really tricky you know and so actually doing that and you're right a a big part of it is vibe Mm -hmm. because I came in like you know I had like my notebook and I had like all these points that I wanted you know in the song and then I get there and I was like oh I'm ruining the vibe (laughs) (laughs) but you have to go through that yeah for sure I was like I'm the vibe killer (laughs) that's me right now I'm doing it in real time (laughs) I know yeah yeah. but like I I had to happen yeah yeah like for me to know like you know musicians are an interesting breed of people and so being like special organize <laughs> like I was over organizing it you know what I mean yeah, and like yeah, I was yeah. ruining nobody was feeling it mm-hmm, I was just mm-hmm. like okay I'm gonna put my notebook away now and we're just gonna <laughs> just record gonna a fucking song yeah <laughs> well and you can run into an environment where if someone wants to be more methodical I've been like co-producer uh with Bobby um mm-hmm. our friend Bobby um from South Shadow uh where it's like oh my gosh they want things to go like uh 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 and sometimes your job is to be, you can try to facilitate but that as much as you can but it's just like uh that's just not realistic honey mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah uh, we run yeah. into that that too but i think another uh that's such a great point in that failure is the best teacher and I don't think you failed at that at all. I'm sure the session ended up winning great. You, it ended up being you, fine. Right. Because I checked you, myself. Right. But you but had you the wherewithal that. to mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. And that was the best lesson to be like, okay, great. Now, next time, it's just going to be easier. Right. Yeah. yeah you for have, sure. You have to learn those things to to be like, oh, this did not work. So yeah. you can you can make it work. So Absolutely. Like, um, I think I think that's really that's a really cool thing. And that kind of in a way that might uh, segue into like the big question mm. you wanted to ask. Or yeah. Well, you know, we keep the big question. We keep <laughs> alluding to this thing. It's, it's just, it's you know, it's one deal. of the things that we, we talked about discussing today. So um, as we've been uh, kind of mentioning physical health uh, in, in um, music and, you know, how that applies to your playing and stuff, um, you have a lot of experience dealing with, um, with like health setbacks. Right. Um I would love if you could just kind of like tell your story, whatever you're comfortable telling, yeah. you know, cause this is personal stuff. Um, but, um, maybe give us a little backstory for the listeners on, on like where this, uh, all started and how this affects you now. And, um, you know, yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah. 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 So, um, is yours. <laughs> so, uh, I had a heart transplant when I was three weeks old and I have, um, so, when you're a kid and when you're doing well, because I have done 
really, really well uh, with this um, for 28 years now. Uh, Hell yeah. Um, yeah. When you're a kid and you're, you, you get used to it, you know, I had to go to the doctor a little bit more you know, or the hospital than the average person. But for all things considered, I had a pretty normal childhood, had a great quality of life. I still have a pretty good quality of life, even with my limitations today, mm. um, because part of it is just being 28. But then, yes, I have chronic health issues. Um, one of the big kind of like uh, uh, hurdles I had to like first come to terms with mm -hmm. and then, you know, eventually you learn to overcome it or, or at least live with it with being a musician um, really is like in 2018, I just uh, started to just have complications mm -hmm. um, and I'm still dealing with that, but I'm good. The doctors see me just a little bit more often so they can monitor stuff. So I don't have like an emergency. Sure. You know, so like I'm in, I'm in good health overall, but I'm on a lot more medication that while it helps keep me alive, the side effects are pretty brutal. Mm -hmm. So I have to take, even better care of myself just in general but especially as a musician i'm going to shout out my uh second biggest uh musical mentor after my my dad uh derek forwarda derek. derek i love derek yeah we, we love derek and he he is he's really responsible for two things uh, the first is like helping me take everything i had learned so far and to like hone it in to be a session player and mm -hmm. and and really having that attitude of being like, it's not about me. It's about the singer, the client, the, the whoever. The song, this is whatever, about a yeah. greater goal mm -hmm. that's, you know, it's very democratic, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, for serving the, serving the song. And then secondly, he's, um, he's approaching 60 and he looks better than he has ever has in his life. Dude, he looks amazing. Life. He looks incredible. He looks, he looks like 40 maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's and, so wild. And he's been doing music intensely since the 80s. And yeah, he was Cindy Lauper's guitar player, Cindy, making that right? Yes, Cindy okay. Lauper. Um, he's uh, uh, he was next door neighbors with Frank Zappa. He never played with Zappa. What? That's but wild. Yeah, he, he they were they were they were. I wonder what that was like. <laughs> yeah. Derek Derek played bass with Chuck Berry on a gig with the 80s. He's so like That's Spin cool. Doctors. Um, wow, he played with the Spin Doctors. Too? Yeah. What? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Um, he and he's probably like worked with all the studios in Atlanta. Like you know, Paul at, at Tree Sound yeah, Studios. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, he and Paul are really tight. Um, so anyway, now Derek is approaching sixty and can still do it with the best of them. And I asked him, um, I was like, "How how can you do it?" And he's like, "I stay in shape. He really eats." really really cleanly mm -hmm. um he works out and it's you know he he gardens he just does a lot of things that are just good for the human soul let mm -hmm. alone the body and like yeah you have to eat right you got to just take take care of yourself as best as you can and he he's like i have an athlete's mentality mm -hmm. even though i might do different things than like what we think of like an athlete's going to do mm -hmm. but he's like i have that mentality um as a musician. And I think that's really why he's been able to stay in the game so mm -hmm. long. Um, and, and I've tried to like adopt that as much as I can. I mean, I can't even, you know, do like machine workout any 
workouts anymore because mm -hmm. I have a stint um, in oh, my heart. Yeah. You know, like I can't mm -hmm. do roller coasters anymore. Which really bummed Because of the G-force and stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's crazy. But, Were you a big roller coaster um, guy? No, but like once I like got over my rational fear of it, you know, like as a kid, like in middle <laughs> right. school, that I'm like, okay, yeah, let's go. And then, you know, life happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. fair. Um, uh, so... I like for me, like I have a, I, I, I take a, a med that just sucks the magnesium out of my body. So mm -hmm. I take magnesium supplements. I like, I eat a banana like before I walk on stage, like mm -hmm. or like before the gig. And then I have one like before I go to bed because one of two things will happen. I'll start cramping up, seizing mm -hmm. up while I play oh. or <laughs> I'll get home, shower, get in the bed, be like, I'm exhausted. And 20 minutes later, my feet go like this. Oh man! So that so you're just lacking potassium, right? Right. So I just have a, you know a potassium and a magnesium deficiency. So I just take supplements, but just eating good food. And we all know when we're playing at bars and it's like oh, beer, yeah. burgers, and I love that stuff. That I that like it's it's poison for me at this point. Mm -hmm. Like if I do that within two songs, I'm gonna start seizing up and cramping up. Jeez. You know, and it's just like, I can't do it anymore. So like, I look at, you know, food for me, especially like on gig days. It's like, this is medicine. I've got to like, I usually eat three. If I have a gig, if I have a call time at five o'clock, mm. I will have eaten three times already by then. Maybe yeah. not three full meals, but like breakfast, snack, you know, fruit, like mm -hmm. those things that my body lacks. Three things are on your stomach right. by that yeah. point. Right, yeah. right. You know, and then I just bring other supplements and like drinks and just try to really stay hydrated so that all these drugs that I'm taking to keep my heart a lot, you know, in good shape, mm -hmm. um, don't interfere with my quality of life. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyone who's watching this who has some kind of chronic health problem or an organ transplant of any kind or, or whatever, there's this thing that you talk about called, okay, well, what's their quality of life? Because the doctors can be doing everything right and your condition can be fine, but what's your life condition? All those drugs that they give you to keep the condition A-OK -okay right. can cause side effects that bleed into your day-to-day -day life that makes your day-to-day -day life suck. And so that's kind of like a balancing act that anyone, even if they're not, you know, anyone with chronic health problems, whatever they do, it's a balancing act that they kind of have to learn to live with. So as musicians, we kind of have to do that <laughs> with right. juggling like the day job, mm -hmm. gigs, you know, gear. Da, 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 da. So I've got that and then my own kind of regimen so that when I go to a gig, I can enjoy it because when my stuff started to have, uh, when, when my diagnosis got a little bit tricky, I noticed, oh, uh, I just did a two hour gig and I feel like I'm going to pass out mm -hmm. or I'm just exhausted or yeah, like my, I'm getting foot cramps or whatever. So now, you know, I've learned to like overcome that, but it's, it's been, it's difficult and you just, you got to listen to your body. Um, Listen to your doctors, but also listen to yourself and listen to your body. Get, you know, I would recommend this to anyone, even if they don't have chronic health problems. That's why Derek, who was already just a healthy, normal person with no underlying issues, mm -hmm. he got a nutritionalist and that's why he's like in the best shape of his life ever. And I have to do that to keep my quality of life um, at a good at a good level so that I can go to a gig and enjoy it and not go to a gig and be like, 
I'm exhausted. I need to like stay in bed for the next day. Mm, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, just that doing that in general, like it's, it's been an interesting learning process because I didn't, I've always had this heart transplant. I've always been immune compromised, um, because of the drugs that I take. Um, but having these complications and then COVID obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, really woke me up to it's like okay now these things are showing in my body in my day-to-day life if i don't take this seriously not only could i have ramifications later in my life Mm. i won't get to do music and enjoy it i'm gonna burn out and Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna i'm gonna get bitter and i'm or i'm not gonna be able to do that and i don't want to do that i love this too much yeah i love that man that's good so um like to to for for covid like i didn't start playing again until like September, October of 2020. And it was only when I was like, everyone, you know, everyone I'm playing with, you know, like at Bob is, it was like, okay, we had like isolated and we knew everybody was safe that had tested. And then once the vaccines rolled out, it was like, cool, great. It was easier to, but it was, it was hard, like having to stay back even longer than like friends who didn't have my condition and just, you know, seeing that. And like, of course I was happy for them, but I was like, ugh. I can't do that. So that as frustrating as that was, it helped motivate me to like, okay, once I get to that point, what can I do to still be able to enjoy this? So like this, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't happen again. I can kind of like roll with it better, yeah, you yeah. know, cause like that was a curveball for everybody. You know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, obviously like uh, <laughs> gig uh, venues are still going through old contracts from 2020 that they have yet to build. But like, yeah, right. you know, for me it was, you know, a good wake up call to be like, okay, I should be doing this anyway. But especially like having that athlete mentality of like, I need to take, keep myself in as best shape as I can so I can enjoy this. Yeah. So it's not like, yeah, it's fun, but like I'm exhausted because we have those gigs anyway, where you do a gig and it's just, it's an off day or whatever. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, you just feel like dog shit. You just totally gotten beat up after it. And it's like, yeah, I'd still love it, but we're getting older. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we're getting older in general. And so it's like, I don't want this to be like, oh, this is such a burden, even though I love it. I want it to be like, okay, I can still do this Mm -hmm. because I take measures to like counteract that stuff. Dude, I mean. That's pretty amazing. It's incredible. It's incredible. I, I. I think about that all the time, really, like, you know, especially when we do longer gigs and I'm and I'm like, man, I'm tired. Like, oh, this sucks. And I'm like, man, like this is nothing compared to what David has to deal with on a daily basis. So, like, I should just deal with it. And yeah, man, I mean, you're you're um, you're already an inspiring person just, you know, for who you are. But I think you you add in this element that that some people a lot of people don't know about you um, unless it comes up or you mention it or something. You know, it's just kind of like a thing that that you live with so it's you know obviously i'm sure you think about it all the time but it may be just like it's not something that naturally comes up in conversation and i think when when people find that out um you know it gives them a whole new perspective and and a whole new level of respect for the amount of work you put into not just your playing but then also all the stuff you have to do for your health just to maintain just to 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 keep going you know and it's uh it's fucking wild man um what what would you say are like the things that that keep you going when when you're having a hard time dealing with it? Because I'm sure there are days where you're like, oh, yeah. "Fuck this," <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like, what what keeps you going? 
Um, absolutely. And when that happens, I want to say to anyone who struggles with that, because I mean, we I'm sure we've all been through like our bouts of like, it's not depression, just anxiety, just when you're low and you're just like, yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, acknowledge it. Like, uh, I have no problem saying I have a great counselor and he's helped me a lot with that. And so much of it is just like, just saying it. It's like, ugh, mm-hmm. this sucks. Yeah. You know, um, acknowledging it so that you can like look at it and have the clarity to be like, this is this awful emotion that I'm feeling. How can I look at it so that I can then like put it to rest or just get through it? You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, I have great family and friends, you know, you guys. And I would say that's, that's you know i have a great support system um mm-hmm. um i have hope uh uh in 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 a higher power and i have um just i've got a great uh support system around me because yeah it it does suck but it's also you know it's music too like it's music makes us feel you know amazing we all love doing it listening to it what whatever it is but I have found, honestly, um, it's it's just really the, the people. Like that's what keeps me going back Dude, into yeah. it, and and meeting just wonderful people and finding out different stories. Like if there's anyone listening to this who has any kind of chronic health stuff and they're thinking or they are working in this in this kind of industry, like it can get better and easier. It, it takes a lot of just like different alternative kind of counseling and and doctors and just just gathering as much information as you can and listening to yourself to be like okay how can i make the best out of this because you can do it i mean if i if i can do it you know and you know anyone can um and i think too um music is something to me at least how i view it in that you know there's these these 12 notes you know in these different scales and this is something that, you know, whether you believe in God or high power, what, whatever you believe in, it's like that I, I don't, other than birds, <laughs> you know, I don't see any other uh, species in, in, in nature really taking these 12 notes, and doing whatever the heck they want with it. You know, we have access to something that I really do believe is supernatural and, and mm. out of this world that we get to take and manipulate and express our emotions with. And I think that really encapsulates the best of just love and, and just humanity in general. Um, uh, and, you know, just, you know, I don't know. I'm like losing my train of thought. No, uh, you're good. man. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, that's what keeps me motivated. That's what keeps me, wanting to go after it because it's it's something out of this world it, this is something beyond just the day-to-day it's hard stuff. to put words to sometimes yeah, for sure yeah yeah and um uh it it's what, so it gets me out of bed yeah <laughs> i love that man yeah i love that um Heck yeah yeah <laughs> I, I wish i had a better Dude. response that's just so like well, yeah it's so good you know i mean um, um yeah that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that, I mean, or th- that's what I wanted to keep saying. And then my the train fell off the tracks. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's a universe. Music is a universal language. Like yeah. I'll, I'll quote, partially quote, uh, 
uh, an interview with uh, Bobby McFerrin I was watching mm. and he was he wasn't even talking about singing he was like well think about how these people these think about how the Polish speak how uh, you know people in Egypt speak like it's like dialects the sound of the, their voice mm -hmm. just that alone and then you get into music and stuff you know that's where I, why you can have um, a well well-educated uh, musician um, in Wisconsin go and play a gig in uh, uh, Bangladesh and they will be able to get along they will be able to say right. more to each other in that than in you know they're speaking in words yeah totally you know and it's just I I I think again this is another thing I get from my dad I love meeting new people and, and sharing these fun stories and interactions with you yeah know, I think it's just it music has the potential to encapsulate the best the best of humanity I agree wholeheartedly for sure I mean it's it's um you know for me it's it's I I've never had a problem communicating through music I have yeah. a lot of problems communicating with words oh yeah <laughs> you know especially if I'm <laughs> if I'm like upset about something or in a bad headspace I have a really hard time explaining what I'm feeling how I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it um but with music it's just okay there we go mm -hmm. this is how I'm feeling do you get it mm -hmm. you know and um and it's it's beautiful so um, yeah, I think, I think you put that really well. Um, yeah. Man. Well, thank you so much for joining the show today. Dude, dude. Yeah, for real. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. This was, this was a lot of fun. It is fun, right? I, yeah. Podcasting dude. is yeah. Podcasting fun. Is fun. <laughs> um, before, before we finish, uh, David, I would, I would love to, um, to hear from you more about what's going on, what's coming up next for you. Um, I know there's some stuff going on with the Pussy Willows, the band that we, that we both play with, um, mm -hmm. Shout out to Hannah and Carly, some of the most amazing human beings I think I've ever met in my life. I would um, heartily agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, dude. These these two girls are amazing. If you haven't heard the Pussy Willows, you guys should should check them out. I'm not saying that just because we play with them, but <laughs> I'd be saying that even if I wasn't in their band. But right, exactly. I'm also yeah, yeah. going to say that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so give give the audience uh, a quick uh, rundown of what's going on, what to expect from you next, and um, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I think we're planning on um, recording a new EP in August or September, and that should be hopefully coming out in October. We'll be at Eddie's Attic, I think. Um, it's like the 21st or something, yes, right? Yes, I think October 21st. That's a ways away. As of right now, um, uh, I will be with uh, Logan Dover, uh, uh, this country singer, and Derek uh uh, my buddy plays with him. Uh, we'll be going out on the road uh, in June um, for a few weekends, um, and then you know, uh, I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping Bobby comes back into town. We do some more Shishido, Shishido stuff. I'll be yeah. catching up with Noah soon. He's a sax player in Shishido. Um, he's and he's Eddie Ninevolt. Yeah, he's playing with Eddie Ninevolt, killing um, it. Absolutely. Um, so that's as of right now. Um, uh, that's about it. Um, just kind of. Uh, wait until the next thing <laughs> comes yeah. around. Um, you can check out uh, South Shadows um, music um, on Spotify. Um, you can check us out on uh, at South Shadow Studios on Instagram, Facebook, um, and you can follow me if you want on you Instagram at Third Wind Two. And that way, like, I do a better job of like keeping track of what's coming up on there. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> if you guys want to see David live, just check out the old IG. Yeah. 
Sick, cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sex, Drugs, and Disappointment. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave us a review and connect with us more on Instagram and TikTok at SDD Podcast. Each episode is also available in video format on YouTube. And don't forget, have fun, don't do too much, and it's going to happen. Yeah.